Hello and welcome to The Sound Mirror, the podcast where I, Heidi James, talk about writing the first draft of my third novel, The Sound Mirror, and all the graft that goes in. How are you? Happy New Year! It's 20-fucking-19. How was it for you? Did you have a fabulous festive season? Did you have a happy Christmas, happy holidays, wherever you are, whatever you celebrate? Are you a person who makes... New Year's resolutions or set intentions or does it not matter to you? Do you not care? Are you one of those people who's like, yeah, New Year, different day, same shit. Either way, time is on my mind right now and I'm thinking a lot about it. The theories and ways of representing time and history in the present and deep time and the uncanny ability of human beings to repeat history as if it never happened and all our really stupid mistakes that we make and continue to make as as a weird, hairless, funny little species who keeps on with our belligerent, weird anxieties. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking a lot about it. And as those of you who've listened before will know, mostly because the sound mirror is about these echoes and folds and breaks and ruptures of time and the intermingling. And so I'm thinking a lot recently about how to represent that and what I'm going to do with that. And I really want to experiment and play. I, I want the book to be historical um, and a bit of an epic, but I want it to be something a bit more interesting than that too. So... What is time? That's what we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, nearly two and a half thousand years ago, Aristotle said something along the lines of time is the most unknown of all unknown things. And the more I've been looking into this, it would appear so. There are so many different ideas and theories and psychological ideas and neurologists have something to say about it and physicists, obviously, and philosophers and religion and on it goes. Is it linear or cyclical? Is it real and absolute or is it a construct? Um, is it tensed or tenseless? Is the present instantaneous or is it a duration that we endure? Is it a past and a future that really exists somewhere in other dimensions? Um, do objects persist in time and how do they persist in time? There are so so many people saying so many interesting, extraordinary, mind-blowing things about this. And any discussion, of course, where we're talking about time, hints towards a theology, you know, God is infinite and everywhere and blah, blah, of course. And then all different cultures throughout history, throughout human history, have had different ideas and beliefs and concepts and constructs of time. Um, Are we future-oriented are we always thinking forwards? Are you punctual? Are you a person who has time management issues? We are embedded deeply in time. And regardless of some of the theories I'm going to talk about, which are frankly a little bit trippy, um, and really fucking interesting and exciting, I think. Um, meanwhile, the light is fading towards the end of this day. I'm a little bit older. Skin's changing, hair's changing. You know, shit's changing. The body ages. And so we have this real physical manifestation of time 
and then there are these fascinating ideas about what time is and also I'm not going to talk about this today but it's really interesting in my research um you know there are biologists who are switching off cell death and some cells seem to be immortal like yeast cells and um there's a theory that if we that we die that cells age and die in order to prevent a sort of a cancer if you like a sort of continuous mutations which would turn us into something completely different or something corrupted i suppose a corruption of our materiality and so death is a prevention of that corruption of materiality and that some cells there is in in labs cells have been you know, uh, their sort of mortality has been switched off or, or has been transcended in some way, which is really interesting. So would you want to be immortal? I wouldn't. I mean, you know, there's plenty about that. Well, we're not going to talk about horror or vampires today. Um, so yeah, I read some fantastic articles on this. Um, one called What is Time? Which is phenomenal, really in-depth, really interesting and really well-researched and referenced. Um, and a couple from Cracked and various others. And I will be putting the links up to those on show notes because they're brilliant. If you want to look into it a little bit more, um, I would recommend that. It will be really great. Also, I'm going to get this bit out of the way now because I will forget. Um, if you are enjoying this podcast, it would be great if you would rate and review on iTunes Um share the word, spread the links, you know the stuff, you know what to do, but it really helps. Um, and it's always nice to know that someone's out there listening to my waffling rambles. I'm about to start, time again, about to start writing in earnest. Cleared loads of classes, cleared loads of admin, cleared loads of work. I'm going to be burying my head down, making real progress. I have a deadline time again um so you know no fucking about anymore um so the podcast will be every two weeks from here on in and i've got a couple of fantastic interviews lined up i'll be announcing those soon once i've got those confirmed um so yeah share listen in subscribe all those beautiful beautiful things and prepare to have your mind slightly blown today What is time? Well, most people, all of us, me, certainly, think of time as a constant, evolving, involving process. Einstein shows us that time is an illusion, that it's relative, and it can vary for different observers, depending, of course, on your speed through space. For Einstein, time is the fourth dimension and space is described as the three-dimensional arena, giving us our coordinates, um, width, height, length, location. And time is another coordinate, another direction. Um, Although we always think of it only as moving forwards. And as I said earlier, I don't see it running backwards physically. Um, (laughs) so Einstein's theory of special relativity says that time slows down or speeds up depending on how fast you move 
relative to something else. Now, I'm not going to go any further into that because honestly, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a physicist. But, you know, it's the speeds of light. If you're approaching the speed of light, a person would age slower than someone at home. Um, And gravity can bend time. There's that famous diagram image of a four-dimensional space fabric space time where um, anything that has mass sits on the fabric and then pulls it down so it creates a dimple or a, um, the bending of it so it's mass creating um, a curvature that is gravity but what I found really really fascinating in my research and thinking about all of this is the B theory of time. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. I certainly hadn't. But the B theory of time is um, the name given to these two two central positions regarding the philosophy of time. So B theorists argue that the flow of time is an illusion and that the past, the present and the future are equally real. And so in a way... There is no real temporal um, reality that uh, that there's no sort of becoming. There's no objective feature of time, and this comes from um, the work of J. M. E. McTaggart and his 1908 paper, "The Unreality of Time." So he's a British idealist philosopher, and he argues that time is unreal because our descriptions of it are either contrary circular or insufficient he points out that we see the present moment we're living through as the only present time but all other moments past and future also either were or will be the present time at some point or other and that this is a contradiction how can it be reconciled and I'm sure you must have played this as a kid I remember doing this thinking is the present now? Is it now? It's now. Now is present. When is now? When was the past? You know, getting yourself tied up in those ideas. Of, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I couldn't sleep. I'd drive myself crazy thinking about the edge of the universe and the meaning of time and where the outer limits and boundaries and things were. Um, anyway, I also couldn't sleep because I was scared of vampires, so go figure. Um, but his really detailed analysis sort of leads to these... Um, concepts in the modern philosophy of time so what they talk about the sort of tensed and tenseless theories about the passage of time so this calls for and i i'm reading from this fantastic website which i'll give you the link for this calls for the elimination of all talk of the past, present and future in favour of a tenseless ordering of events that only uses phrases like earlier than or later than. And the argument behind this is that tense terminology can be adequately replaced with tenseless terminology. E.g., for example, the future tense sentence, we will win the game, can be adequately expressed as we do win the game at time t, where time T happens after the time of this utterance. So, the future tense has therefore been removed and the verb phrases do win and happens after are logically tenseless 
even if they are grammatically in the present tense. And if this is true, then there is no essential difference between the past, present and future, all of which are therefore equally real. And the passage of time must merely be an illusion. The tensed theory of time. I tell you what, after reading that, I'm feeling bloody tense. Um, the A theory, on the other hand, denies that such an argument is valid and argues that our language has tensed verbs for a good reason, because the past, present and future are very different in quality. The A theory therefore denies that the past, present and future are equally real and maintains the future is not fixed and determinate like the past. A theorists believe that our ordinary everyday impression of the world as tensed reflects the world as it really is the passage of time is an objective fact okay interesting theoretical wonderful ideas but we are experiencing time as fact even though neurologists can show that we our brains conflate or expand time to suit our narratives so Impulses will be felt at the same time, even if there's a slight delay, for example. Um, physicists are showing that if you're higher up, time changes. Um, when you're speed, at speed, your time is changing. And of course, we all know that when you're having fun, time flies. When you're bored shitless, time slows to a deathly snail's pace. So time is, as well, objective. Um Okay, so then there is, this is really interesting, presentism and eternalism. And this is when I think we can all start thinking, nah, that's me, I think like this or think like that. The philosophy of time that takes the view that only the present is real is called presentism, while the view that all points in time are equally real is referred to as eternalism. Thus, according to presentism, only present objects and present experiences can be said to truly exist and things come into existence and then drop out of existence. So past event entities literally do not exist for presentists. So Queen Victoria didn't exist. The Romans didn't exist. Um, there was no, I don't know, there was no war, whatever. And... For them, the future is indeterminate and merely potential, so it can't be said to exist either. Which puts me in mind of those kind of mindful pseudo-Buddhist theories. You know, really positive people like push this, like, oh, you know, the future is yours and the past isn't real, so don't let it drag you down, man. It's like, you know, keep moving forward, stay in the present. How to be happy, all of that stuff, which is great and true, I'm sure, and really useful. It's also the same sort of argument um, pushed forward by bullshit Holocaust deniers and those weasels who pretend that yeah they change narrative to suit themselves their own idea of history and the present so right that's presentism eternalism on the other hand holds that such past events do exist even if we cannot immediately experience them and that future events that we have not yet experienced also exist in a very real way. So for eternalists, the flow of time that we experience is another illusion of consciousness, because in reality, time is always everywhere. And you can sort of see the connections between eternalism and that fourth dimension theory of relativity, this sort of modern physics, 
where future events are already there but just haven't been encountered yet and the past literally still exists back there in the same way as you know like your your house is still there when you've closed the door and walked down the road and around the corner it's still there um so that's sometimes referred to as block universe theory now i wonder if do we like this idea i i do i find it really fascinating but i wonder if it feels a bit of an anathema to us because it implies a lack of choice or will that things are predetermined i mean that's simplistic i think the physics and these theories are much more complicated and involved than that but it does sort of in some ways imply that there's a predetermined world that we are moving through when i was a kid i used to have these terrible nightmares these recurring dreams actually they were awful where i was moving almost on wheels or floating through a space and picking up time and this space was void it was nothing it was white and there was a speck and i would rush rush and rush closer and closer closer to it and i'd hit it and it was his face covered in thorns like it was evil it was awful and it was covered in spite and would press against me it was horrendous and it kind of for me that sort of feels like a mimicking or an an articulation of this relativity of time in some ways um and there are different variations anyway of this these different um presentisms and eternalisms and then then there's things like endurantism and perjurantism and so there are sort of similar but separate dichotomy and that's about the persistence of objects through time um so endurantism is the more conventional view where an object continues to exist through time and it exists at completely different times so each instance of its existence is separate from the previous and future instances so your watch that was your grandfather's or your great-grandfather's and he wore it during the first world war and you have it now it existed in all those times whereas perjurantism holds that something that continues to exist through time exists as a single continuous reality and the thing as a whole is in the sum of all its temporal parts so instance of existing like the a particular person so it includes childhood middle age old age so what i was reading sort of says this argument goes back to heraclitus's contention that you know that is a cliche we never step into the same river twice because the water is not the same the second time round and an endurantist would agree with heraclitus even if a common sense says the river at one time and the river at another time are in fact the same river and nothing about it has essentially changed. A perjurantist would argue that it is possible to step into the same river twice by stepping to two different temporal parts of it. So presentists are usually endurantists and eternalists are perjurantists, but it's not necessarily always true. Still with me. It's fascinating, right? It's really interesting. And it's really interesting for me. And I'm thinking about how to write about time in the sound mirror and how I'm going to present how this ever-present history is always informing what's going on for the modern-day character. Um, So I guess I'm edging 
towards eternalism. But I don't know. Yeah. But what does that mean for me as a person and what I really believe? I mean, it goes on as well. There are lots of other ideas of many worlds theory, parallel universes, quantum time with quantum mechanics. Um, Stephen Hawking, of course, talked about imaginary time, which um, in his book, I think it's 1988, Brief History of Time, he talks about avoiding the idea of singularity and where time starts. But actually that space and imaginary time are finite but with no boundary so almost like a sphere has sort of finite but but no real boundary or like a klein bottle actually which has an outside and an inside that are it's impossible to determine which is which um so where does all this and how does all this come into the novel and to the novel i'm writing Let's talk about that. I'm back. I've taken a different approach to recording this podcast this time. Usually I sit down and do it all in one go and, you know, crack it out sort of thing. But today I've been coming to and from and back and forth almost all day. So here I am, back, having just had dinner. I wonder if you can tell. I started out all hopped up on coffee. Um, Early, all enthusiastic, and now here I am. Two glasses of wine and my supper done. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling more languorous and chilled, so time stretches and contracts in that subjective manner. Um... Dinner was very nice, thank you for asking. It was a pappadelle with a white truffle, pui lentils and mushrooms. So yeah, thank you very much. Um, all right, enough being a ponce. Novels, literature, time. I guess it's all about time, right? Novel, whether it's scenes and their artificiality, the sort of playing out in minute detail what's going on or a summary that contracts so digesis or or metagesis or um whether we have a chronological plot a linearity if you like or if it's non-linear and multiple narratives overlaid one on top of the other intertwining which is something i always end up doing um whether we look at how time involves or regresses, whether we're flashing forwards or backwards, whether we are running time synchronously in a way that the novel is really all about time, isn't it? Those rhythms of life and the way our consciousness unfurl. And I suppose that's entirely it. It's consciousness. Time is consciousness. I read somewhere that animals don't experience time in the same way we do. They're always and ever-present. Although how someone would know that, I don't know. I'm sure they constructed and concocted some elaborate experiment to prove their point. But anyway, regardless of the chasm and the abyss between us and our animal others, 
<clears throat> and our assumptions, which I always find ridiculously presumptive. But anyway, regardless of that, if that's true and it's entirely a human idea or a human part of our ontology, a part of our being is to be aware of time and with it it's grief and it's expectations and it's sorrows and it's losses and poignancy and nostalgias and everything else then maybe I suppose it is entirely part of our condition and part of our burden really time is our burden perhaps but how can we know that and then the novel I think that's really what we're working on then lots of novels I mean all novels are about time right all stories take place in time and it doesn't matter like regardless of the way that it's dealt with you know as I said chronologically real time in the present tense flipping backwards and forwards with strange little temporal eruptions it's always about the passage of time that so in which the plot unfurls unfolds and we understand the characters and the way their lives move those patterns and developments but what of course there is some text in which time itself is the theme is the major theme or is being explored um, in a profound and immense way um, so I was thinking about that so if, I was thinking about if you guys wanted to explore that in more detail um, some things I was thinking about and one of my favourites is From Hell written by Alan Moore um, and illustrated I'm just picking it up right now by Eddie Campbell um, that's ostensibly it's about the Ripper murders in Whitechapel. But actually, it's about time. And there's this extraordinary sort of element of it where they talk about the fourth dimension of time. And Gull, there's this, the figure of Gull, he's, he's the sort of Ripper. And that he's the embodiment of all evil, like close temporality and distant temporality. He's the geist if you like, of modernity's excess and evil. He is the spirit of evil. That, and he does literally erupt and break through and inspire um, future, what would be future murderers and killers and to, to his moment in time, which was the Victorian era, late Victorian era. So he's sort of there with Sutcliffe and uh, Brady and Hindley. You see him. It's a brilliant text. It's... Um, a graphic novel it's huge and it's expansive and I've taught it but it's one of those texts where I could you I think it could be an entire you know course actually I'd love to do an MA or a PhD on it it's absolutely bloody brilliant but it's beautiful it's extraordinary and it's about trauma and of course graphic novels are able to play with time interestingly because like a film they can set up an entire scene in one little short snap um and that's the thing about literature and prose is that there's an artificiality about it because in order to draw attention to the things on the tabletop, it takes time. So this idea of being in the present, I am running, I am walking, it's, it, it's already unsettling and disturbing, the idea of time, um, which I think is so interesting and fascinating anyway. Um, so yeah, From Hell is extraordinary, love it. 
then um, Nabokov is really interesting. He was inspired by John Donne's book, An Experiment with Time, and he, he kept a dream diary. And it's about really proving that in, when you're dreaming, there is this liminal zone between sort of the material and spiritual realms where time flow goes backwards. So you will dream a prescience. So your dreams are telling a future. So he kept this quite in-depth diary to see if that held true. Um, and then there's David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest, which is incredibly involved and highly stylized. I've got to be honest, I never really finished it. Didn't love it. But, you know, if you're up for reading a great big chunk that's about time and is playful and interesting and postmodern and blah, blah, that's the one for you. Then Atwood's Blind Assassin, which is a novel within a novel, and the time is back and forth with this extraordinary revelation. Beautiful Ruins by Jess Walter. That's pretty pretty interesting. Time is sort of jumps. Um, Innocence and Others by Dana Spiotta. That's really interesting. It, it uses film techniques in a way. It sort of splices and jump cuts about with time. Then, of course, there's Proust. Um, Tom McCarthy's work remainder that's all about time and repetition martin amos time's arrow that goes from back to front and then of course you've got benjamin button um fitzgerald's text uh about character ages is born old and ages ages till young my one of my other favorites about time which is not a novel um is ghosts of my life by mark fisher where he's examining hauntology and a future and being haunted by a future that isn't going to come. That is just, I just, yeah, it is brilliant and so thought-provoking. And every time I read it, and I've reread it now so many times, I just pick it up and flick through and I find something new. It's one of those beautiful pandora's boxes almost that's no that's the wrong image that's not what i want to say what do i want to say it's a treasure chest and every time i open it and delve in it reveals something else it returns a new treasure it's wonderful um yeah so in my work i wounding was concerned with time and how but really not, not about the representation of time which is what i want to do differently with the sound mirror, um, but was concerned with how time could be compartmentalised and doubled, so expressing different selves, becoming a multiple of yourself. And then, I guess, so the doves goes back and forth, so perhaps is almost beginning to play with what I want to do in the sound mirror, like what we did in our past, our past selves, and how that is influencing and in some ways is continuous with the self we are now. Um, so yeah, but time in novels is 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 so in it's sort of inherent in it, isn't it? Really, um, I mean, we've got author time. So when you are actually writing and publishing, then there's when the narrator in the work of fiction is telling us a story, and then there's the plot. When is it unfolding? When is it happening? When is the action taking place? And then there's when we are reading it, when we're hearing it, when we are experiencing it. Um, and they could all be 
you know, fairly close together, or they could be, you know, we could be reading a historic novel, or reading a novel from the past now. So it's it, the way time is experienced with reading and writing is, of course, expansive and involved as well. Um, what's your favourite kind of telling? Are you someone who really likes a linear, very straightforward, logical plot? Or do you prefer a more involved, convoluted, strange, doubled, haunted space? And I don't mean that in, in terms of horror or genre, but I mean, you know, how time haunts and replays itself. Um, and of course, the modernists were playing with all of this too, you know, temporal distortions and fragmentation and, you know, with Wolf and Joyce and Lawrence and Kafka and, and then Beckett does it and on and on. So it's not a new thing at all. But I think it's so central to what we're doing that tent, the tenses you're using, the grammar, when is this happening, and what does that imply for the characters and the space and the society um, of your novel, of your of your of this world you're building, and that's what it is. We're building a world. So with the sound mirror, I want time to concertina and fold and collapse for these recurrences and hauntings and these ghosts of past and the future, if there is a future. And, you know, because like trauma is, that's how, that's what trauma is really, isn't it? PTSD is where time is endlessly contorted and you're here in the present, so-called present, and then the past rips into and destroys and entangles itself with where you are now. So it's this rupture, this dragging back, this hooking back into the past, into the pain. Um, This intermingling with the past is always present. But what I'm struggling with and what I want to play with and experiment with and why I've done all of this research and why I'm telling you all this is I want to play and experiment with this intermingling strands of the ever-present past and the echoes and the reverberations back and forth. So I've got to make that mess. And in the making of it, in the playing with it, the experimenting with it, something should come together and coalesce and I will report back. So yeah, tell me, what are your favourite books about time? How do you experience it? Are you someone who is one of these presentisms, or are you um, an eternalist? Do you think the past is just gone, and the present is yours for the taking, and not here yet, so there's no point worrying? Or are you someone who thinks all time is ever-present, we're just not necessarily experiencing it? What do you reckon? I love these kinds of things. I love thinking these things through. Um, so yeah, I'm going to speak to you in two weeks' time, hopefully with a guest. Um, but get in touch. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, the usual at Heidi Pearl James. Um, First Graft has a Facebook page and a website. Get in touch. Let me know what you're reading, what you're doing, what you're thinking. It's always good to connect. Um, But you know, music is time made manifest. And our music today is by the beautiful, gorgeous Joe Dunbar. So see you later. Happy New Year. Time sure does fly when you're having fun, huh? All right. See you soon. Big love. Bye. (laughs) 